until later. So, all right. So, whoever's watching, listening, uh, what's up? So, other than that, um, we're good to go. Um, other announcements: uh, We don't have church cleaning again until after the first of the year, so that means we don't know when it is because the new schedule hasn't come out. Um, and the only other thing that I have, um, other than just prayer things, we'll talk about in a minute. Um, we usually do a Passpoint Christmas thing every year. Um, We've done it, I think, here in the past. We've done it at our house, and uh, it's usually a, a pretty big deal. I mean, with with if everybody in Passpoint was to show up, you've kind of seen it on some weeks. There's there's 30 adults probably, and so when you uh, put all the kids that y'all got in there with it, there's uh, there's a lot, and uh, it's usually a good time. We usually do a kind of like a gag gift exchange, and um, I really want to do that. I just I don't think we should um, with the direction that kind of Brian's, you know, we're just kind of taking a hands-off approach, and so we're going to keep teaching the main thing, the main thing, and uh, I would encourage you guys to um, maybe get together in in smaller groups or whatever and keep the fellowship going, but uh, as far as trying to get 50 people together, whether it's here at our house or anything else, it's just... We're just probably not going to this year. I mean, maybe something changes in the next two weeks, and I'm like, hey, praise praise God we'll do it. But for now, we're probably going to plan on uh, not this year. So I have one other maybe plan in my head, but it's not for sure yet, so I'm not going to tell you yet. So we'll see. Um, Better than that. Okay, so... uh, Prayer things other than the uh, the barns, right? Holly and Brady and uh, Hadley. Uh, is anybody else got anything that we need to you know pray about? Just kind of what's going on, and just pray for the church. You know, it's Thanksgiving week, and you know some people are getting together, some people aren't getting together. You know, that's that's up to you know you and you know what makes you feel comfortable. But either way, it is good just to be thankful for uh, what God's doing in our lives. And so, um, anybody else got anything? Speak now, forever. Hold your peace. Right? Alright, well then let's pray. And uh, we'll get going. Today might be a little bit... I don't know. We'll, we'll get into that in a minute. So let's just pray. Father God, I love you. I thank you for uh, today, Lord. I thank you for just loving us. Uh, you're really good to us, Lord. You uh, you provide uh, even when we don't know what we need, uh, Lord. You uh, you're there when we call, um, and it's because uh, you know we you're just uh, you're a good father to us, uh, just as a, a father is to his children. Uh, you are that to us. You uh, really do uh, know how to minister to us when we don't even know uh, the things to say, Lord. And uh, I pray you do speak to us today as we um, wrap up Romans chapter 9 and there's a lot of things that could be said we could we could make this thing last for several weeks Lord but I think uh, I just I just want to kind of just get through it. Um, there's some things that I think you uh, you have some principles, and I pray that you would just uh, speak clearly and concisely, and uh, that you would get the honor and the glory for it, Lord. I pray that uh, anybody who uh, has questions or um, things like that from the previous weeks or uh, with this week's teaching, that you would um, just uh, use that. You would you would allow those uh, questions to come out because I mean, if, if there's a question, uh, Lord, there's there's two different ways you can look at a passage like this and it, and it can be very confusing uh, Lord or we can uh, really just look at it biblically and see what you're uh, showing us and so Lord I do pray you just speak to us today I pray for um, the, the barns uh, even today as 
Uh, they're just continuing to prep for uh, January, Lord, and I pray that you, you know Your will would be done, uh, God. I pray that You would just give Holly and Brady peace uh, about uh, what they're what they're doing, and I pray that You would give uh, the doctors the uh, the wisdom to uh, treat uh, Hadley, Lord. I pray that if it would be Your will, that You would uh, just heal her before it even comes to that point, God. We know that You can do all things, and uh, Lord, I pray that. Really, as, as Roman, Romans 9 teaches us, that uh, you know the end of the story before we do. And so it's not up to us to ask questions. It's just simply up to us to obey and to give you glory along the way. And so uh, I pray you just speak uh, today uh, in Christ's name. Amen. Sorry, I feel like I'm going to sneeze. And so it was just like all at once. Maybe not. All right, so uh, Romans chapter nine. Flip over to, to Romans nine. What's up? We just got. We're just getting started. Perfect timing's right. Okay, so uh, excuse me. Uh, Romans nine. So the theme of Romans nine, right? So Romans. I don't want to. I don't really want to uh, recount everything we've talked about, but I do. You know, we know that uh, the book of Romans is written to. The people of the churches in Rome, right? And it's it's very applicable to the church. But Romans nine, ten, and eleven, uh, Paul kind of takes a hiatus and he talks about the nation of Israel, and it's very uh, Jewish uh, in context. But there's things that we can learn from it. And so, so the last couple weeks, uh, Romans nine is known for uh, just the sovereignty of God, right? Um, people uh, use this passage to, uh, you know, teach Calvinism or hyper-Calvinism or all these different things, and it's really easy. To to get confused, right, when you get into the, you know, why did God love Jacob and hate Esau? And uh, I actually have a quote that I want to read to you at the end uh, by Spurgeon. Does anybody know who Spurgeon is? He's the prince of preachers, right, uh, back in England, uh, back in the good old days. I don't even know the years that he lived, but uh, he was uh, a really powerful preacher in England. And I've got a long quote uh, I read to the HBI class back when I taught through this, and I, I think it would be fitting to just kind of wrap up Romans 9 when we get there. But, <laughs> excuse me. But anyway, it's just kind of the, the sovereignty of God. And we know that, you know, who are we to question what God does? Uh, and so go back and listen to all that. I really don't want to, to reteach it. You know, I gave you four examples of the sovereignty of God right out of uh, Romans 9. It was Israel, right? It was uh, uh, Isaac. Um, I'm sorry. It was... Where were they? They were. It was Israel, Isaac, um, Jacob, and Esau, and then uh, Pharaoh himself. And so I didn't get to talk a lot about Pharaoh last week, so I do want to kind of pick up there, um, and let's just let's just go uh, let's just go from there. So pick up. Uh, let's see. Romans 9, let's start in verse 14. I know that we made it through 18 last week, but this will kind of, I didn't get to talk about Pharaoh much. Uh, and then we'll roll right into what I want to uh, talk about today. So, Romans chapter 9 and verse 14 says, What shall we say then? Is there unrighteousness with God? Well, God forbid. Uh, For he saith to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. So then it is not of him that willeth, nor of him that runneth, but of God that showeth mercy. For the scripture saith unto Pharaoh, even for this same purpose have I raised thee up, that I might show my power in thee, and that my name might be declared throughout all the earth. Therefore hath he mercy on whom he will have mercy and uh, whom he will uh, harden it. So that's kind of where we stopped last week. And so the last example was Pharaoh himself. And we know that 
I didn't get to talk a whole lot about it, but you know, God sends Moses in in the, the nation of Israel to uh, Egypt. Uh, they end up being basically slaves, and after a while, God's like, "Hey Moses, uh, go tell Pharaoh uh, that y'all are getting out of here." And Pharaoh's like, "No, you're not. You're not going anywhere." And you know, God says, "Okay, well, this is going to happen if, if you don't, and this plague is going to happen." He's like, "No, it, it won't." And then it happens, and then Pharaoh's like, "Oh, I'm I'm so sorry, right? You guys can go." And then the the, the plague would leave. Go back to Exodus, and you can read all this. Uh, and then, you know, then Pharaoh would be like, "Oh, never mind. You ain't going nowhere." You know, it, it really wasn't God that was making it happen. This happens over and over and over again, right? And and I liken that, and and you should liken that too, to someone who really only wants a relationship with Christ when there's something tragic, uh, some sort of tor- turmoil going on in their life, right? How often do you see somebody and it's like, I remember seeing you around. Oh yeah, it was, you know, it, it, they only come to church when there's a problem in their life, right? They, they, they try to put the God patch over it instead of really allowing God to uh, work in their life even when things aren't bad, right? And so we see that. So the thing to see about all of that though is the, the biggest thing that a lot of people don't understand about the the story of Pharaoh is it says that God hardened his heart. And that was his choice to do it. Right? At the end of the day, it brought God glory. At the end of the day, uh, there was all the Egyptian army who chased after Israel when they left. Right? Pharaoh was like, no, you can't go. The last plague was what? The death angel passes over. All the firstborn uh, of Egypt die. He's like, fine, just get out of here. right? So they leave. A few hours later, Pharaoh's like, nah, y'all ain't going. And he sends his armies after him. And that's when God parts the Red Sea. right? And so what happens though? I can't even imagine. Just, just think this through. Just kind of one of those hypothetical. The Egyptian army is chasing Israel through the Red Sea. And the Red Sea starts closing up. What do you think the thought process was? Oh my God, he really is real, right? Um, you know, it, it, you've 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 heard the term foxhole conversion, where you know you, there are no atheists in foxhole. Right? You don't ever really know, but at the end of the day, there's a time when God will reach whoever He needs to reach, and some of those people never would have realized that God was really God until something like the Red Sea collapsing on them is is what it took. Right? And so you have to understand that we don't have to understand the kind of twist on words, but we don't have to understand what God is doing. We just have to accept it. You know, we were talking about this a little bit in discipleship last night. I don't even know how we got off on this on this tangent. That's what happens with, with discipleship. It's just like, I don't even know how we, we got off on this. But it, it's not on us to to try to reconcile what God is doing. It's just on us to bring Him glory through it. You know, and, and even the simple, I was using the, the basic example of, you know, things that are really hard to explain, right? Sometimes things happen in our life and we're like, I, I can't explain that. How do you explain that? You know, something is even as, as, as tragic as like a child's death, right? And people are like, I don't know how you can ever uh, follow a God who would allow this to happen. You know, and so without getting into the entire conversation of why does God allow bad things to happen, right? So something as simple as that one. Um, well, if a child dies, especially before the age of accountability, so if they're a child, that would be the case, they're spending eternity with Christ. Is that not what we as Christians go around trying to get everybody to accept and have? Right. So the only person who hurts in that sense is you. And, and it's okay to grieve, but the child is exactly where you prayed that they would be You know, as a child. I pray that my kids end up in heaven every day. And so the child is where... But in that... Sometimes God will use a tragic situation like that to reach 
other people. And so it's not on us, and I'm not trying to use that example per se, but it's not on us to question why God allows things to happen. It's just simply what God has called us to do to bring Him glory through it. It could be something as, as, as simple as you know, sharing the gospel. It's something as simple as everything that you go through in life, right? Why do you live different? Well, that's just the way, I'm just bringing God glory through it. But even in the hard times, right? We, I don't know if they're watching and it really doesn't matter if they are. Holly and Brady are going through something right now that it's like, it's kind of unfathomable. But what are they doing? It, from, from the outside looking in, they're doing really good at just keeping the main thing the main thing. Keeping uh, the glory on God throughout it. That's what we have to do. And so, that's the whole point is God chooses what He's going to do. And it's not on us to say, why does it happen or anything else, right? He hardens Pharaoh's heart. Why? Because who knows how many people accepted Christ right before the water crashed over their head, right? And I know that they didn't accept Christ at the time, but they put their faith in God, in the God of Israel at that point. You don't have to question why He does it. You just have to understand that he's, he's working all things for good, right? To them that love God and according to His purpose, right? Or, or called according to His purpose. I don't know that reference. I know the verse. But uh, anyway, so that was kind of last week. So here's what I've got. I want to finish up Romans the 9 today. And I've got four questions. Four questions we need to answer to wrap up Romans 9. It's pretty simple. Uh, there's not really a lot to it. Uh, I have no notes to go along with this because if I had notes, it, it would take forever. Uh, and I really did. I had some notes and I just got rid of all of them because I don't... This topic can get hard to explain, right? You start talking about election and why God does certain things and it's like sometimes it can get really teachy. It can get really... Um, and I think we've done enough teaching on it so far. So now I just kind of want to—I just want to explain it the best way that I can to maybe make it work in your head. And if you have questions, please do ask because I—I I don't want to move past it without getting to the point of it. But at the same time, I don't want to get so caught up in the details. And I feel like that might be what we've done in the last couple of weeks that we just kind of miss out on what God is trying to show us. Right? Remember the Book of Romans. He's writing about the Jews right now, but he's still writing to the church. So there's something here for you. So uh, let's just pick up in verse 19. So he, he gave you all these examples of his sovereignty. And then he gets to verse 19. It says, Thou wilt say then unto me. So he's writing to the church. And he's like, I already know what you're going to ask. This is what you're going to say. Thou wilt say unto me, Why doth he yet find fault? For who hath resisted his will? Nay, but, O man, who art thou that repliest against God? Shall the thing formed say unto him that formed it? Why hast thou made me this? Hath not the potter power over the clay uh, of the same lump to make one vessel unto honor and another unto dishonor? So here's your first question as we just go through this. And I I really do want an answer out of this. And they might seem simple, but I want to make sure that we're all on the same page as we do this. So should we blame God for making us the way that we are? Right? Should Should you blame God for making you the way that we are? Well, yes and no. No more so than yes. Right? There are times that I'm like, man, if I was just a foot taller, man, I could dunk the basketball, right? And I have no I have no control over that. God made me that way. Right? Or, you know, if I was just, you know, twice as fast, you know, I I, I could I, I could do this, this, and this. Okay. There's a whole lot of things you could do. And that's what Paul's trying to say here. He says He says, Therefore, uh, I'm sorry, um, Thou wilt say unto me, Why doth he yet find fault? For who hath resisted his will? Meaning, is it is it is it God's fault that I am the way that I am? Well, yeah, it 
It is, but we're not blaming Him for it. God created you exactly how He wanted you to be. Too often people want to use the, well, if I was just this, or if I was just that, or if I was more like this person, I could you know, be a better Christian. If I was just more like that person, I could be a better Christian. Uh, who cares how tall you are, right? If you can't dunk, just learn how to shoot, right? Or uh, if you can't run fast, just, you know, Get on a motorcycle or whatever you got to do. I don't know. You know, there are ways to overcome all those things. And through Christ, you can overcome anything. It doesn't matter if you don't talk too good, right? Remember Moses? Oh, he just hooked up with Aaron. You know, or it doesn't matter that you're not the strongest. Remember David? He's the, the smallest of all the brothers. You know, it seems like God will do his best work through the week. It seems like God can do more uh, to confound the wise, you know, using the people that you wouldn't think. You know, look, look around the body of Christ. You see uh, blind people do more than people that can see every day, right? And, and, and not just talking about wrong cases. You see people who have uh, infirmities doing more. Who are we to blame God for how we are? It allows you to bring Him glory whichever way is possible, right? Sometimes it, it, it works so much... It brings him so much more glory because it opens people's eyes. It's nothing, it's nothing for you know a guy who's eight foot to dunk a basketball. It's like, well, yeah, you ought to be able to, right? But when you see a guy who's like five six do it, and it's like, I can't believe you can do that, right? Well, it's no different using the same line of thinking. It's nothing for somebody who grows up and it's, there's nothing wrong with raising your kids in a, in a godly home. But seeing a, a third generation Christian go to the mission field, it's like, well, I kind of expected that, right? That's how they raise. It's something completely different when you see, you know, a meth dealer get hooked on Christ and the next thing you know he's out there preaching the word it's like oh my gosh the point is who are we to blame God for who we are that's the whole point and it goes on to say uh, that will say to me uh, why dost thou yet find fault for who hath risked his will nay but uh, nay but oh man who art thou that repliest against God are you really going to be the one who's like, God, are you sure this is how I'm supposed to be? I don't want to be the guy who's asking that question. I don't want to be the guy. Why hast thou made me this? Are you sure? Why didn't you make me taller? Why didn't you make me faster? Right? Why didn't you make me smarter? Because if I get more glory out of you being the way that you are. Hath not the power, verse 21, power, or hath not the potter power over the clay of the same lump to make one vessel into honor and another in dishonor? Meaning... We agree that God created every one of us. Right? It says in the book of, I think, Jeremiah that He knew you before you were even in the womb. He, he knew your name, like all those things. God knew how you were going to be. Right? He, he knew exactly what you were going to be. He, he knew how smart you were going to be. He knew the things that you were going to struggle with. The thing. God knows all those things. Hath He not the power over the clay? And the picture here is, you know, uh, I don't, I've never done the pottery thing, but I've seen like pictures of it where you got the little spinning wheel and it's, you know, he, he can make whatever you want out of a thing of clay. Right? I always vision if I did this, uh, I would make a mess. This is about all that I would be able to make because that's just how it is. Can he not do whatever he wants with it? Can you not, when you have your hands on 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 the potter's wheel, make whatever you want out of it? You can do whatever you want, and at the same time, can you not destroy it when you're done? Not that that's what God does, and we'll get more into that as we move on, but is He not God? And who are we to question the fact that this guy's faster than this guy? Right? We don't think nothing of it. You know, on a football team, we're like, yeah, that guy needs to be out of the game because this guy's faster, right? Well, take that kid out. He can't shoot, right? Or whatever else. Well, it's completely normal in our minds then, but we start talking about, well, well that person's smarter than that person. Well, why would God allow that to happen? Well, it, your mind is the one who's messed up. God's mind's been right all along. 
It's not us to question why God does the things He does. And you might say, well, how's God ever going to get glory out of that? You don't understand. Why would God give me anxiety? Why would God give me uh, all these different things? Why would God allow me to be depressed? You don't understand. God's not going to get glory out of that. I do understand because I've seen people overcome things like that through Christ. You don't ever see the light at the end of the tunnel when you're going through it. But what is it? I said it last week. What is what is the saying? Hindsight's twenty twenty. You look back and it's like, man, if I only would have known how this was going to end up, man, I could have really brought God some glory through it. Oh, well, maybe that's what faith is. It's the fact of bringing Him glory even when you don't know the outcome. Right? It's really easy to look back and say, okay, so now I know how this is going to end, so I can, I'll just look very godlike as I go through it. Or you can just worship Christ throughout it no matter what. And at the end of the day, good or bad, he gets the glory. Right? You, you read stories like uh, the Red Sea collapsing on you. are like, oh my gosh, why would God allow that to happen? Because I'm sure that there was a lot of good that came out of that. Now, there were probably a lot that, di- that, that didn't come out so well. You know, but it was all a choice. It's all free will. So, you just have to understand, God has power to make you exactly how he wanted you to be. And too often, we ask ourselves, man, why, why am I like this, right? Why am I like this? Why? And we like to blame our parents, right? Why am I like this? What's my mom's fault? I was asking you know, somebody this morning, they were talking about uh, one of their kids being really stubborn. I'm like, well, whose fault is that? You know, they both kind of give one of these, like pointing at the other person. You know, uh, My daughter was talking to my wife uh, earlier this week, and you know, she was like, she was complaining about something going on uh, you know, with, with, with her body. And... And Paige is like, that's not even it at all. And she's like, yeah, it is true. And I got it from you, right? <laughs> and I'm not going to give you the details of the story, but we like to blame our parents. But guess what? God makes you exactly how He wants you to be. With all the infirmities, right? I get up in the morning and I'm like, I can't even stand up straight. My back hurts so bad, right? Well, okay, how can I glorify God through it? You know, we like to only highlight our strengths and we like to downplay our weaknesses. God put the weaknesses in your life just like He put the strengths there. You know, and we like to say that we, we live to our strengths, we do all these different things, right? And maybe you should learn how to exploit the the good in your weakness. How can you glorify God in that? You know, that's kind of a practical application. You're looking at this and, and Paul's trying to teach the the, the, the the churches in Rome, he's like, Hey, God can make you however he wants to make you. So you can either spend your entire life complaining about it, or you can find out how to bring God glory through it. Right? Well, you don't understand. That person, they're just, uh, they're so pretty. That guy, he's just such a strapping young man. Or, or, you know, why can't I have kids that are like those kids? Or, you know, all these different things. Why can't you use what God has given you? Right? God's like, hey, here's the tool I've given you. Moses, like, you got a staff in your hand. What are you going to use? Right? Well, Well, I can't use that. Why not? Right? Just use what you've got. Stop complaining about what you don't have and use what you have. You'll bring God a lot of glory through it. You really can. So no, to answer the first question, should we blame God for making us the way that we are? It, the answer for the, the biggest sense is no. But I guess you could blame God because, yeah, He's made me exactly how I want to be. But no, don't blame Him in a negative sense. right? You can accept Him for making you who you are. And I'm not saying that you're stuck the way that you are either. You know, there are ways to uh, change yourself. You know, throughout 
you know, we've seen uh, people on drugs uh, get saved and come out of that, right? We've seen people who, yeah, th- there's nothing saying you're stuck the way that you are. Now, I'm not saying that you can, like, grow six inches. It doesn't work like that, right? Um, it doesn't work like that. It's, it's, that's, like, that's almost as hard as losing weight, man. you just like, I, I don't know where I'm going to lose it at, but I've tried. I can't, I can't shake it. It doesn't matter, you know. It, but there's nothing saying that you're stuck anyway. Well, I'm depressed, and so now you're just saying I have to just live that way? No, I'm not saying that. There are ways to overcome anything. But don't be mad that God has put you in the situation that you're in. And also don't blame God for some of the things that you might be in, because sometimes it's not always. God's fault. So, moving on, because we can go a whole lot more into that. So, uh, here's your next question. Well, let's just pick it up, verse 22. And what if God... Now, I, love, I like the way that Paul says this. He's like, you know, what if? i got a hypothetical for you. What if God, willing to show His wrath and to make His power known, endured with much long suffering the, vessel, the vessels of wrath fitted to destruction, and that he might make known the riches of his glory uh, on the vessels of mercy, which he had afore prepared unto glory, even us whom he hath called, not of the Jews only, but of the Gentiles. And he say, uh, saith also in uh, Osi, uh, I will call them uh, my people, which are uh, not my people, and her beloved, uh, which is not my beloved. And it shall come to pass uh, that uh, in, in the place where uh, it was said unto them, ye are not my people that should be called the children of the living God. So here's your next question. We need to just make sure we kind of have our our minds wrapped around as we wrap up Romans 9 because there's a whole lot more Israel to talk about in chapters 10 and 11 and we'll get into that starting in the first of the year. But here's your second question. Do you believe... Now this is something you need to ask yourself and I already know your answer, but make sure you understand why your answer is the way it is. Do you believe that God had a plan from the beginning? Do you honestly believe that God had a plan from the beginning? That he's not just like making it, you know, he's not faking it until he makes it, right? He's not just rolling with the punches. That he had a plan. The theme of the Bible, you get into D2, you'll learn this, uh, is a king and his kingdom. From the very beginning, before the Bible was ever even started to be written, God had a plan. He was going to establish a kingdom. What's it take to have a kingdom? Well, it takes a king and it takes subjects. He was going to establish a kingdom that brought glory to his son. From the beginning of the Bible to the end, that is the theme of what's going on. And you might be like, what are you talking about? D2 will teach you a lot about that, so jump into D2 next year. Um, and we can talk about it more later, but I don't have time this morning. But do you believe that God has a plan from the beginning? It says, what if God? It's like a hypothetical. He's like, what if though? You know, God can make you however He wanted to make you. So you might say, well, why didn't He make everybody perfect? Well, because we're not little clones, right? But he, he made us all individuals so we can bring God glory different ways. What if God, willing to show His wrath, why would He be willing to show His wrath? Because sometimes you, know, you, you, you hear that people get saved two different ways. People get saved because they're drawn to God's love, and the, people, the other people get saved because they are terrified of God's wrath. Right, And I, I know people from both sides, and they're just as saved as the other. So don't think that because you're on one side, guess what? It, it was kind of a combination you know, for me. Um, you know, I, I realized that if I didn't accept this right now, I'd heard enough that uh, God might just be done with me. Um, but at the same time, it was God's love that drew me. You know, what if, Paul says, what if God, willing to show His wrath and to make His power known, basically to show that He's God, endured with much long suffering, meaning he wasn't happy that these people were the way they were. He wasn't happy that these people were wicked. Endured with much long suffering the, uh, the vessels of wrath fitted to destruction. Meaning, well, why didn't God just take care of those? Why didn't He just get rid of all of them? Because if the whole world was all, you know, unicorns and rainbows, 
nobody would, you know, see the need for Christ. Sometimes it's the wickedness. Isn't it always, you know, you work with somebody and, you know, they know you're a Christian, but they don't want nothing to do with it. But all of a sudden something tragic in their family happens and then you're the person they come to talk to. God allows those things to happen because they draw people to Him. They draw people to the truth. That's what it's all about. You might say, well, why did it have to be that way? Well, the short answer, uh, it's sin. It didn't have to be that way. Go back to Adam and Eve. It wasn't designed to be that way. But sin got in the way. So from basically Genesis 3 all the way to Revelation chapter 22, there's a little parentheses in your Bible. It's God's way of dealing with sin. It's going to pick right back up where it was in the garden. right? He's just fast-forwarding to get there. And you just happen to be living in that parenthesis where, guess what? You have to deal with the sin side of things. You have to deal with the bad. What if God allowed those things to happen so He could draw people to Him? That's what Paul's trying to say. What if... What if, I know your mind is so closed-minded and you don't understand what I'm trying to say here, you don't understand why would God allow this to happen? What if God did allow it to happen so He could draw people to Him through it? What if? That's what Paul's trying to say. And that He may make known the riches, verse 23, of His glory under the vessels of mercy which He had afore prepared unto glory. He says, what if this was the plan all along? And then he's like, hey, let me give you a quick example of what that would look like. Let me give you a quick example of what that looked like. Even us, meaning the Gentiles, whom he hath called, not of the Jews only, but also the Gentiles. He's like, hey, what if he had this plan the whole time? What if he knew that the Jews were going to be thick-headed? What if he knew... I'm sorry if you're Jewish. I'm not trying to offend you. But what if he knew that the Jews were going to reject him over and over again, even when he was here in person? What if he knew that all along... So that there was a way for the Gentiles to get saved. What if he knew that? What if he wasn't just like, oh my gosh, I didn't see this one coming. I need to you know, call an audible real quick. right? Pat Mahomes comes to the line. He's like, oh, it's a blitz. I need to call an audible or this is going to hurt. right? That doesn't happen with God. He doesn't say, oh my gosh, I didn't see that one coming. right? There's, nothing, there's times in my life that I'm like, whoa, there's a plot twist. I didn't really see that. That doesn't happen with God. What if? Right? Paul's like, what if this was the plan all along? Not really the plan, but you have to understand God knows the end of the story before He ever wrote the story and He factors in your free will into that part of it. So if you're just picking up today and you don't understand what I'm saying, go back and listen to the previous few weeks because it really factors in your free will into it. I'm not saying you don't have free will. Actually, go back. I, I taught the complete opposite of that. You do have all the free will in the world. Um, but what if God knew that? That's what Paul's trying to say. What if it was the plan that the Gentiles would have a way? You know, people are like, why would God only choose one people group? It shows that He's so bigoted, right? I would never follow a God who is so closed-minded. He does, he's, he's so, uh, he, there's so much hatred. There's so much... What if He knew the whole time that there was going to be a way? You just had to accept it as a free gift. What if? That's what He's trying to say. Guess what, guys? It was the plan. You got saved because it was His plan. Even of him who he hath called, not of the Jews only, but also the Gentiles. As he saith in uh, O.C., I will call them uh, my people. O.C., uh, I'm pretty sure that's Hosea. I, my mind just completely blanked it because I looked it up again this morning to make sure. But I'm pretty sure it's Hosea who he's referencing there, the book of Hosea. Uh, I will call them my people, which are not my people. Now, understand, God's chosen people are the nation of Israel. We talked about that several weeks ago. But he says, I'm going to call them my people, meaning if you get saved, you are called the Son of God. I'm going to call them up my people, which are not my people, uh, and her beloved, uh, which was not my beloved. 
And it shall come to pass that in the place where it is said of them, you are not my people, that you shall be called the children of the living God. The Jews look at you and they say, you're a Gentile, right? You're, you're a half-breed. You can't do that. right? Go back to the book of Acts and you know Peter's like, I can't go to Cornelius. That's not right. I'm not supposed to do that. And God's like, hey, Peter, let me show you something. right? Hey, let, me, let, me, let me show you something. I'm changing things. Right? There's a lot of things that change in the book of Acts. He's like, hey, just do what I say. The Jews look at you and you're like, you're not accepted. You're not God's chosen people. It's because you're closed-minded. You don't understand what God's trying to say. Now, the same thing can be said of, you know, the world we live in say, oh, the Christians, they're so closed-minded. Right? The Christians are the opposite of closed-minded because they are the picture of being grafted in who wasn't uh, God's chosen people. You know, uh, I have people uh, even in my family who are like, you're just so closed-minded, right? You're so... You, you, Christians, they're so thick-headed. They'll never understand, right? You have to understand the world we live in isn't like that anymore. I do understand because I wasn't God's chosen people and I was grafted in. It was only by grace. The same way that you can have it, only by grace. You can't live in sin, though. No, it doesn't work like that. The world wants to condemn Christians. Well, guess what? The Christians are the perfect object example of what it looks like to not be chosen, to not be the golden child, and yet still have a way. And instead... We shut our doors and it's our four and no more and we want to you know, cast stones at the center. Well, guess what? You were a sinner too. And I'm not saying go out and you know, hang out at the bar to win people to Christ. I'm not saying that we're going to be all loving and all accepting you know, to all the sin in the world. But I am saying you've got to meet people where they're at and you've got to get them the gospel. Right? And so understand what I'm saying there because you know, don't live in sin with them, but don't just expect them to come walking in the door of the church that you're going to meet them here. It doesn't work like that. And so the gospel has to be the gospel. You know, you have to be the hands and the feet of Christ. Do you believe that God had a plan from the beginning? Because I do. It's been this way the whole time. Verse 27. We're going to get done. Isaiah also crieth concerning Israel that the number of the children of Israel be as the sand of the seas. A remnant shall be saved. For he will finish the work and it is cut, uh, and cut it short uh, in righteousness because a short work will the Lord make upon the earth. And as, I, and as Isaiah uh, saith before, except the Lord of uh, Sabotha had left us a seed, we had been as Sodom and had been made like unto Gomorrah. Here's the third question. And I hope you know the answer to this. Has God moved on from Israel? So I just talked about how, you know, because Israel rejected him, now we're the sons of God. Does that mean that God has moved past Israel, that, you know, they're not his chosen people anymore? Because some people will teach that. Some churches, even today, even in the town we live, will teach that basically, because Israel rejected him, you are now the new spiritual Israel. Right? America is the new spiritual Israel. You take all the promises that God gave to Abraham, they're now yours. Okay, so time out for a minute. There's a really fancy uh, term for that, and I don't expect you to remember it, but it's called replacement theology, and it's a bunch of BS. Okay, Israel is God's chosen people, right? Uh, BS means beautiful sunshine, right? Right? What? Okay, that too. Yeah, something. Uh, <laughs> anyway, it, it's not true. Okay, God is not done with Israel. God has put Israel on pause, right? Or, or uh, a term that I know some of you can, can reconcile with because, you know, we don't discipline our children in any way other time out now because it's very politically incorrect to do anything else. So God has put Israel on time out. Let's just say that, right? Um, they, they are in time out because they're not 
accepting. Remember, go back to last week and the week before, it talks about how not all Israel is Israel, meaning just because you are uh, of a bloodline of a Jew doesn't mean that you're spiritually a Jew. Okay, so what he's saying here, to answer the question, has God moved on from Israel? No. God never will move on from Israel. The plan of the Bible is a king and his kingdom. The king is Christ. His kingdom, his subjects are the nation of Israel, just so you know. He's not moved past any of it. That's why what's going on in Israel is so important today. Let me show you why this is so important. It says, Isaiah cries concerning Israel, though the number of the children of Israel be as the sand of the sea, meaning there are Jews everywhere in the world, right? More so every day, a remnant shall be saved. That word remnant is really important in your Bible, right? That word remnant is really important because what he's saying is, most of, they rejected Christ. We, we look at it, we say the Jews rejected Christ. As a, as a whole, they did. There were some who didn't. Right? Because if every single one of them would have, God would have had to you know, call an audible. But God knew that it wasn't going to be that way. God saved some, a small remnant. Right? There's always a small remnant. Over and over and over again through human history, people have tried to annihilate the Jews. And there's always a remnant that survive. There's no coincidence in that. You go back to the Holocaust. It's it's you know just it's absurd the things that they did. It's there's there's other words to be used, but it it was it was awful. God saved a remnant through it. There are certain people that are allowing the Jewish seed to continue on, and as long as that's going on, which it always will, because the Bible says it will. God's not done with Israel. You have a, you live in a unique time in history where God is allowing you to be grafted in. Right, the picture uh, in the book of John, I think it is, that where it talks about how you know you can take uh, vines, especially like grape vines, the way they grow together, and like you can graft them in, and they'll grow into the vine. That's what you are. You are grafted in to the family of Christ. You weren't of the true vine, but now you can be. That's what you are as a Gentile. You are grafted, and you are now part of the family of Christ, only because of His grace. That's the time we live in. But there will be a time when that grace is gone. Right? He's a loving God, but there's going to be a day, I promise, at His second coming, there's going to be a lot of words used to describe Christ. I don't think loving is going to be one of them. Not that day. It's going to be just. Uh, it's going to be uh, fearful. fearful. I mean, there's going to be a lot of words. I don't think loving is going to be the one that comes out of people's minds when He comes back at His second coming. It just doesn't work like that. They rejected Him. He's coming to make things right. God's not done with Israel. Just so you know, that's what that's talking about. There's a, there's a remnant. God is not done with them. Just because they rejected Him, there's always been a few that's going to continue to make that thing work. Verse 29, And as Isaiah said before, except the Lord of Sabotha had left us a seed, meaning there was something good, we would have been like Sodom and Gomorrah. He would have wiped us all out of the map, off the map. It doesn't work like that. And here's your last one, verse 30 to 33. What shall we say then? That the Gentiles which follow not after righteousness, have attained righteousness, even the righteousness which is of faith. But Israel, which have followed after the law of righteousness, had not attained the law of righteousness. I'll explain what this means in a second. Wherefore, because they sought it not by faith, but as it were by the works of the law, for they stumbled at that stumbling stone. As it is written, Behold, I lay in Zion a stumbling stone, a rock of offense, and whosoever believeth in him should not be ashamed. Here's your last question. Dang it, that stupid clock gets me every week. I knew it was a little bit slow, but I don't think it's that slow. Is God the master of improvision? Is God the master of improvision or the greatest planner of all time? Well, obviously it's the second. 
He's not just calling audibles. Oh my gosh, I didn't see that coming. It kind of goes with question number two. Is God the master of improvision or the greatest planner of all time? He had this planned. He knew it was going to work this way. It's been this way all along. What shall we say then that the Gentiles, which are not after righteousness, meaning, you know, we are lost Gentiles. We're not God's chosen people. We're living through life, lost, living in sin. Everything we want is what he's saying. We have attained to righteousness, even the righteousness. With All we had to do was believe by faith. In the Old Testament, those people had to live by faith. We just believe by faith. You know, and generally after you believe by faith, then you're allowed to start walking it out. You're allowed to start living it. But the point is, we didn't have to do anything right other than accept it. And the Jews look at us like, oh my gosh, you, we, we had to keep all the law. And that's what it says. But uh, Israel, meaning the Jews, which followed after the law of righteousness, they have not attained to the law. Meaning they tried to keep it, but they couldn't. That's what that's talking about. Wherefore, because they sought it not by faith, because they tried to work their way to heaven, but as it were by the works of the law, for they stumbled at that stumbling stone. Meaning, they tried to work their way. They tried to do it on their good religion. Even today, the Jews try to do it by the sacrifices. They try to do it by living the law. And they're like, oh, those Christians, they don't know what they're talking about. No, the Christians are living by faith. The Jews totally missed it. They tripped over the threshold, right? You know, they're walking through the door and they just they can't, they can't get right because they can't walk right. They tripped right over the law that they thought is the thing that's keeping them close to God. As it is written, Behold, I lay in Zion a stumbling stone and a rock of offense that whosoever believeth on him should not be ashamed. If you'll believe on the rock instead of tripping, you'll see what's going on. You have to understand, the Gentiles, the, the Jews don't love the fact that the Gentiles can just get saved by faith. But generally, the Jews who are offended by that are the Jews that are trying to work their way to heaven. A Jew can get saved just like you if he simply puts his faith in Christ. It's been that way all along. You have to understand, this chapter's been a lot about election and why does God like some and not like others. And I want to read you this quote and, and we'll finish up. It's kind of long, but just kind, of, just kind of listen to it. But you have to understand that God has had a plan from the beginning. And that plan takes your free will and it factors it right in. Your free will still has every opportunity. You decide you want to walk off the reservation today, God's not going to stop you. Right? There might be chastisement that comes with it. You know, or if you want to decide that you're going to draw closer to Christ today, He's not, he, he takes your free will and He puts it right into His plan. It's been that way all along. He knows the end of the story. When you look back at your life 15 years ago and you're like, man, hindsight's 2020. If I would have just known that, I would be able to do this. Well, guess what? God knows the end. So it's easy for Him to look back and say, okay, I knew that they were going to decide this and that this was going to play out like this. And so His plan... It factors in your free will. And it also factors in His sovereignty all along the way. Right? That's what Romans 9 is all about. It's, it's your free will merging with God's sovereignty and bringing Him glory throughout the way. Let me read you this quote. It's kind of long. This is by Spurgeon. I just want, I just, I just want you to get this because it goes back to the, the Jacob and Esau thing, but it puts it in a way that is, is really good. So, Obviously, Spurgeon was, I mean, hundreds of years ago, so a little bit old English here. But men say that they do not like the doctrine of election. Verily, I do not want them to. But it is not a fact that, but is it not a fact that God has elected some? Ask an Armenian brother about election, and at once his eye turns fiercely upon you, and he begins to get angry. He can't bear it. It's a horrible thing, like a war cry to him, and he begins to sharpen the knife of controversy at once. But say unto him, Ah, brother. Was it not divine grace that made you to differ? Was it not the Lord who called you out of your natural state and made you what you are? 
Oh yes, he says, I quite agree with you there. Now put this question to him. What do you think is the reason why one man has been converted and not another? Oh, he says, it is the Spirit of God has been at work in this man. Well then, my brother, the fact is that God does treat one man better than another. And is there, any, uh, is there anything wonderful in this fact? It is a fact we recognize every day. So, when we are talking about election, the best, thing is to, uh, the best thing is to say, put aside the doctrine for a moment and let us see what is the fact. Why did God love Jacob? Why did he hate Esau? Now, I am not going to undertake too much at once. You say to me, why did God love Jacob and why did he hate Esau? We will take one question at a time. For the reason why some people get into a muddle in theology is because they try to give an answer to two questions. Now I say, uh, now I shall not do that. I will tell you one thing at a time. I will tell you why God loved Jacob, and then I will tell you why he hated Esau. But I cannot give you the same reason for two contradictory things. That is wherein a great many have failed. They have sat down and seen these facts, and God, uh, that God loved Jacob and hated Esau, that God has an elect people, and that there are others who are not elect. If then they try to give the same reason for election and non-election, they make a sad work of it. If they will pause and take one thing at a time and look at God's word, uh, they will not go wrong. Why did God hate Esau? I am not going to mix uh, this question up with the other. They are entirely distinct, and I intend to keep them so. One answer will not do uh, will not do for two questions. They must be taken separately, uh, and then they can be answered satisfactorily. Why does God hate any man? I defy anyone to give any answer but this, because that man deserves it. No reply can ever uh, be true. There are some who answer divine sovereignty, but I challenge them to look at the doctrine and the fact. Do you believe that God created a man arbitrarily, sovereignly, it is the same thing, created that man with no other intention than that of damning him, made him and yet for no other reason than that of destroying him forever? Well, if you can believe that, I pity you. Uh, that is all I can say. You deserve pity that you should think so meanly of God, whose mercy endureth forever. You are quite right when you say that the reason why God loves a man is because God does so. Uh, because God does do so, there is no reason in the man. But do not give the same answer as to why God hates a man. If God deals with any man severely, it is because that man deserves all he gets. If any of you want to know what I preach every day, any stranger should say, give me a summary, a summary of his doctrine. Say this, he preaches salvation of all grace and damnation of all of sin. He gives God all the glory for every soul that is saved, but he won't have it that God is to blame for any man that is damned. I delight to preach this blessed truth. Salvation of God from first to last, the Alpha and the Omega. But when I come to preach damnation, I say damnation of man, not of God. And if you perish at your own hands, must your blood be required. I can send you that. It's really long. But the fact is, what, what Spurgeon is trying to say is, it's really easy to say, well, why does God hate Jacob or love Jacob and hate Esau? Well, he loves Jacob because he loves all men. And he hates Esau. Esau is the example because he hates sin. That's the whole point. It's the sin in your life. It's the choices that he knows at the end of the day you will have made. All right, and so I'm out of time. Sorry for being over time. Let's pray and we'll get out of here. Um, if you have any questions, ask me. I don't want this to be confusing. So, uh, Father God, I love you. I thank you for today, Lord. I thank you for um, just uh, uh, great men over time like Charles Spurgeon who um, can put things in, in better words than uh, even uh, I can or any of us can. Uh, Lord, I, I thank you for the example of the Apostle Paul uh, writing this epistle so that we can understand what you are even today doing with the nation of Israel and how it applies to us. Uh, I pray, Lord, that we would you know, just uh, allow our free will to align with your will 
so that we can really just get something done for Christ, Lord. Uh, I pray that we would use who You've made us to be uh, to bring You glory, uh, whether uh, that means we're short or tall or smart or, or anything else, Lord. So, Lord, I do pray that You would just uh, use this in our lives. Uh, I pray You just uh, bless your, ser- or your, your, your preaching today through uh, the Pastor Lord and that You would really just get the honor and the glory from our lives. I pray You send us out this week as lights in a dark world. Lord, that You would just get the honor and the glory from everything that we say and we do in Christ's name.